Welcome to the Rehope Podcast. Before we dive into this week's message, we'd like to provide you with some helpful resources. If you'd like someone to pray for you, it would be our joy to connect with you. So please email us at prayer at rehope.co.uk. If you'd like to get connected with an online Bible read-through group from wherever you are in the world, you can email brt at rehope.co.uk and be a part of a small group of people reading through the Bible cover to cover each year. Finally, if you would like to support the work and ministry of Rehope financially, you can do so online at rehope.co.uk slash giving. We pray you find this message encouraging, enlightening, and helpful. Enjoy. Hey family, good to see you all this morning. A uh, quick, quick warning, I am in an extended season of fasting and praying for breakthrough for your lives, and wow, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm not my strongest this morning, so uh, if things get wobbly, then, then uh, Laura can just come up and just, I've got notes here, and she can just close it out, so that, we'll, we'll look forward to that, but I, I want breakthrough in your life, and I, I don't know all your stories and, and all your challenges, but I do know I want good things for you all. And, and I, so I want God to bless you with life and joy and health and peace. And again, I want you to know right from the get-go, if you belong to Jesus, you are forgiven. You're forgiven of everything. You're forgiven, and, and part of that goodness means that God's grace is pouring into your life. And so you can be freed from... It, I, I don't know your story, any curse or any issues going on with your life, and you can have God's favor and goodness over your life. I want every Sunday to be a pivot moment for, for people in this church, where people come, and then God just meets them, and there's breakthrough. And so I bless you in the name of Jesus for breakthrough today in whatever challenges you're facing. I, I, I bless you that God would direct your path clearly, that he would make your path straight, that the challenges you're facing will crumble before you, and that you'd be blessed by God in every good way. I bless you with that. In the name of Jesus, may it be. All right, so uh, we're talking about God. We're talking about God as we're looking at the story of Abraham in the early chapters of Genesis. Uh, we're talking about God's friend, Abraham, the, the father of faith for all who believe. Now, last week we talked about a very dark moment. We, we talked about this season in Abraham's life where things were difficult behind closed doors, right? Where Sarah, Abraham's wife, is just so angry about what's going on. And in her anger, um, she treats Hagar harshly. Hagar, who was pregnant at the time. And Hagar ends up fleeing for her life. Well, as Hagar is fleeing, she meets the angel of the Lord. And she is so impacted that moment that she ascribes to God a name. She is like, I'm going to call Yahweh now. Uh, what was the word? Thereafter. Thereafter, she referred to Yahweh as the God who sees me. The God who sees me. That, that is a, a powerful thing when you give someone a name. When you give someone a name, it's so full of meaning. It's not just done haphazardly in the Bible, but she was given the, gave God the name, the God who sees me. Um, in our experience... God, God loves I mean, to, to have us call him Father. I mean, it, it, through the Bible, God has lots of names like Yahweh and, and, and all these kind of names that people give to him. But he invites us to call him Father because we're his family. 
we who believe in Jesus are his family. And so Yahweh would be the name that, you know, people would call, call him. But his family family, those who are in Jesus, get to call him Father. And that is powerful, powerful th- stuff. It's a powerful statement. Names are significant. What we call people is significant. What we call God is, is significant. And so when we look at a name that God ascribes to himself, as we are going to look in this, in this chapter today, um, it is very, very sacred. When God says, here is, here is a name, here's one of my names, it's one of those things that we, we don't want to just joke around with this stuff. It is so special when God ascribes himself a name. It's just right in the first verse of our chapter today. We're in chapter 17 of Genesis, and this is how it begins. It says, when Abram was 99 years old, Yahweh, the Lord, appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. Now, this story takes place 14 years after our story last week. And it says, Yahweh appears and he says, I am El Shaddai, which means God Almighty. I am God Almighty. God has just revealed something that he wants all people to know of all time. He wants you to know, he's not just more powerful than any other being out there. He's not just a promise-keeping God. He's not just holy. He's not just good. He is God Almighty. He's God Almighty. He's God with all power. He's not just a God with more power. He's not just the more powerful one. He is the all-powerful one. He, he is God Almighty, and you, you see that him celebrated and praised for this all throughout the Bible from this moment on, and you get to the last, cha- the last book of the Bible, not the last chapter, chapter 19, and there's praise going on about this God, and in chapter 19, it says, a vast crowd, crowd in heaven shouts, praise the Lord, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. The Almighty reigns. And that's coming at the end there with after all his victories over Babylon and, and, and darkness. Oh, the fact that our God is the Almighty should fill your life with hope over whatever circumstances you're facing in your life right now. They are all easy to the all-powerful, to the all-powerful God. Your Father, if you believe in Jesus, is God Almighty. There's nothing it can't do. I also want to highlight, I suppose, in this verse here, that the call of God Almighty is two. Number one, to serve me, he says, and live a blameless life. He says in in there, he says, serve me and live a blameless life in Genesis 17. God calls, he calls us to serve him faithfully. In, in 2 Corinthians 6, which is on the screen, the past week for my Bible read-through group, I'm, I'm come, coming across this. Is, this was one of my potential shares that didn't make the list. Um, it says, as God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness. I'm just going to say that again. 
not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. Not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. For God says, at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of your salvation, I helped you. I helped you. I, God has heard you, friends. God has he heard you. God has helped you in your life. He will be helping you in your future. But let's not just accept the marvelous gifts of God, whether it's forgiveness of sins or salvation or, or the Holy Spirit. Let's, let's not just be crass in our just accepting the marvelous gifts of God and then ignoring it. No, we're called to serve him faithfully, to, to serve God faithfully and, and to live a, a blameless life in Christ Jesus. Let's be about that. Well, that's only verse 1. Let me, let me keep reading. I'm going to read for a little bit, and let's see what happens here in, in our story today. It says this, starting in verse 2. Um, I will make a covenant with you, God speaking to Abraham, by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. At this, Abram fell face down on the ground. Then God said to him, this is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What is more, I am changing your name. I am changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, it will be, you will be called Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations, and kings will be among them. I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. This is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. And I will give the entire land of Canaan where you now live as foreigner to you and your descendants. It will be their possession forever, and I will be their God. Then God said to Abraham, your responsibility is to obey the terms of the covenant. You and all your descendants have this continual responsibility. This is the covenant that you and your descendants must keep. Each male among you must be circumcised. You must cut off the flesh of your foreskin as a sign of the covenant between me and you. From generation to generation, every male child must be circumcised on the eighth day after his birth. This applies not only to members of your family will be cut off from the covenant family for breaking this covenant. Quick comments. Quick comments. Um, I want you to see that this covenant that we're talking about, we're looking at right now, is different than the ones that we've been looking at. This one is a conditional covenant. I'm just saying that because we have been talking about unconditional covenants that God's make. This one's conditional. And the condition is circumcision. Right? That's, there, there's a different, if you are circumcised, uh, Abraham's descendants, then the covenant will apply to them. If not, not. Now, I would love to spend a lot of time talking about circumcision today. <laughs> but, you know, there's a lot to talk about. And uh, new covenant joy, we don't have to worry about that because we're in a new covenant. So I'm just going to keep reading, all right? Here we go. It's even awkward reading this sometimes. Uh, so, verse 15. Then God said to Abraham, Regarding Sarah, your wife, 
her name will no longer be Sarai. From now on, her name will be Sarah. And I will bless her and give you a son from her. Yes, I will bless her richly, and she will become the mother of many nations. Kings of nations will be among her descendants. Then Abraham bowed down to the ground, but he laughed to himself in disbelief. How can, could I become a father at the age of 100, he thought? And how, how can Sarah have a baby when she's 90 years old? So Abraham said to God, may Ishmael live under your special blessing. But God replied, no. Sarah, your wife, will give birth to, you, to a son for you. And you will name him Isaac, and I will confirm my covenant with him and his descendants as an everlasting covenant. As for Ishmael, I will bless him also, just as you've asked. I will make him extremely fruitful and multiply his descendants. He will become the father of 12 princes, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant will be confirmed with Isaac, who will be born to you and Sarah about this time next year. When God had finished speaking, he left Abraham. On that very day, Abraham took his son Ishmael and every male in his household, including those born there and those he had bought. Then he circumcised them, cutting off their foreskins, just as God had told him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised, and Ishmael, his son, was 13. Both Abraham and his son Ishmael were circumcised on the same day, along with all the other men and boys of the household. Whether they were born there or bought as servants, all were circumcised with him. Okay, back to the names chat. Back to the names chat from earlier. God just gave Abraham a new name. His name was Exalted Father, Abram. And now his name is being changed to Abraham, Father of Many, or in this context, Father of Many Nations, but, but Father of Many when God changes a name, or when God gives you a new name, sometimes he just gives you additional names. When God gives a, a new name, it is special, and it's a, a revelation of something extremely important for you. It, it, it is either a, an aspect of God's plans, or purposes, or heart for you. Or, or concern for you, or, or something to encourage you. When God gives a name, there is so much power behind it. So uh, we, we see this all, all the time in the Bible. Sarah gets her name changed from Sarai to Sarah, meaning princess. Because she's going to be a prince, she's going to be a mother of, of, of kings and rulers. She's going to be, she's gonna be um, it's, it's part of her destiny, this name change. Lots of times this happens in the Bible. Uh, Jacob gets his name changed to Israel. There's purposes there. Sam, uh, Solomon gets his name changed to Jedediah, loved by God. Um, Simon gets his name changed to Peter. Uh, th those are like, uh, like official kind of name change type, uh, type things. But, but then there's also so many other types of name changes. I guess when I was, when I was studying this, I was like, huh, I wonder, does God have an, a name for me? Does God have a new name for me? And I was thinking of Revelation chapter 2, where the church in Pergamum, uh, they're told that um, as they endure, then they're going to receive a white stone with a name on it that only they will understand. 
You know, maybe that's, maybe that's uh, true for, for us as well. It's definitely true for that, that uh, group of people in Pergamum. But just like God has many names, like official names, Yahweh, he also has other more casual descriptive names like Father. And, and the, same, the same is true with you. God Almighty, Yahweh, maker of heaven and earth, he names you Son. He names you daughter. He names you precious. He names you dearly loved. He names you holy. He names you forgiven. He names you a priest, an ambassador. God's temple or spiritual, like there's so many things that God names you, that that you carry, that are part of your reality and your destiny, those who are in Christ Jesus, things that when God gives you those names, when he ascribes to you those names who are in Christ, that's powerful stuff. I encourage you to be enthusiastic, be enthusiastic and faithful to live out these names that God has ascribed to you. It's so significant. I'll come back to this names chat in a moment, but um, there's one thing in this passage that's, that's quite significant, and I, and I want to talk about it for a few minutes. Um, when God changed Abraham's name to father of many or father of many nations, he doesn't flinch, right? He's like, of course. You know, Father of nations, makes sense, uh, sounds, sounds good. But when God changes Sarai's name to Sarah, he laughs, right? He laughs, and he's like, hmm, maybe it could be Ishmael. Like, we don't, maybe Sarah, maybe not Sarah, but maybe it could be Ishmael, and, and Ishmael can, can, you know, inherit all, all this, this special blessing. And, you know, it tells us what he's thinking, that Sarah's 90 years old, and he already has a son. In Abraham's mind, the promises is enough fulfilled. He has an heir of his own, Ishmael. He, from, from what God said to him, he, he feels satisfied. I've got what God promised me, and I can trust him for the rest with Ishmael. And so he's like, can, if only Ishmael can live in my blessings. But, but, God's, but God's like, No. And God's very insistent about this. No, it's going to be Sarah. There's going to be, Sarah's going to have a son. And now God is revealing Sarah's destiny as this Hebrews chapter 11 woman of faith who's going to be the mother of, of, of Israel and, and it's going to be really special. Now, we tend to read this and be like, okay, sure, God God is God. This is what God wants to do, right? No big deal. God wants to do this. Okay, we just, sure, he wants it to be through Sarah. No big deal. But I, I was listening maybe 15 years ago to a, a Messianic Jewish teacher. And, and this guy was really wrestling this through and, and going to deep places with this. I wish I could remember his name. I, I, haven't, I have no idea where that, where that went. But, um, but he was really spending time wrestling through why Sarah and he had some interesting thoughts, and, and they are so confusing, but I'm going to just, I, 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 I trying to help us 
understand what this guy was thinking, this Messianic Jew. And so I, I got my, my alter ego, Picasso, to, to draw out some of this, to this stuff to kind of capture what he was perceiving as he looked deeply at this. And this is what he said. So in drawing one here, you've got God, and you've got Sarah on the left, in case you can't tell, and Abraham on the right, clearly. Near fo- nearly f- a photo, right? So you got them. Now they are in a covenant together first. Decades before Abraham and God are in a, in a covenant, they are in a pre-existing covenant. And, and as I said a few weeks ago, in case you weren't here, when two people become married, they enter into a marriage covenant. That This is... Um, sec- or, uh, Malachi chapter 2, and, and when it, a covenant is the highest form of commitment or oath or vow that, that two people can make. It is so sacred to God. When we enter into a covenant, like God, this, this oneness aspect is so real and so powerful that it just, we underestimate how significant it is when a, hus- when a, when a man and a woman enter into the covenant of marriage and how highly God views that. So much so, if you're looking at like Matthew 19, when, when Jesus is talking about divorce and other things, you start to realize, whoa, um, marriage is so much about oneness that if, if two people get divorced, it's not like they're completely separate and, and in a certain way where they can just do whatever they want. There's a difference between remarriage and, and marriage. Just, just read what, what Jesus says. He's, he basically says, if you've been divorced and you get remarried, you're committing adultery. Why is that? Well, th- there's something that we just vastly underestimate about the oneness in marriage. Now, we, there are permitted reasons for getting divorced, and, and we've, we've talked about that and, and all that. There's, there's also certain um, ways where, it, like, if your previous spouse dies, you can get remarried. If they've been remarried, if they marry somebody else, you can get remarried. And maybe if they commit adultery or, uh, you know, if they, with, then, okay, there's, there's, there's reasons there that, that would allow remarriage. But, but there's, we underestimate in our culture God's view and the power and his heart for marriage and how sacred that is and how strong that is to be. You know, if you're remarried, um, again, you, you are in that covenant relationship. Be remarried and, and just be blessed and may your marriage thrive and enjoy. It's, it's important. Okay, so anyways, that's, that's picture one. Um, so then after this, then God enters into a covenant with Abraham. A very specific, but, but he, he, the Messianic Jewish guy was saying before God made that covenant, it's really important to remember that Abraham and Sarah are in a pre-existing covenant. And so God needs to, God is going to by default honor that covenant. There's something very significant about that, that he's, he doesn't just, he doesn't just take lightly. And so he wants to respect that first covenant, says this guy. Third drawing. So what we've seen so far in our story is Hagar, clearly looking very differently than Sarah. So Hagar then is a servant, and you know what is her relationship? The word wife was there, but she and they have a son named Ishmael, Abraham's firstborn son. So that's a son of his own, and there there is this reality here where. If Sarah, sorry, if Hagar and Abraham are in a covenant now, which they might be, um, it wasn't a pre-existing covenant. 
It wasn't a covenant that was when God spoke his words to Abraham, she wasn't a part of that moment. This has happened later, right? And so you have the Ishmael and, and, um, and Hagar there. Uh, what's the next drawing look like? Oh, yeah. Okay, great. So then, uh, as the story goes, so then you've got um, Sarah and, and Abraham, and they're going to have a kid. You can see that God's blessing is, and in, in, well, his, his heart is going right down to Abraham, who's in a, in a covenant with, to Sarah. Now, if I'm losing anybody, all you need to know is that covenant is important to God. Like, that's all I'm saying. It's so important to God that this Jewish guy thinks it's behind a lot of the why. Not just God is God and God always has these thoughts. But he thinks that there's something so significant about the, the covenant here. And be, so God says all of my kids or all of Abraham's kids are going to be blessed. But only one is going to be the one of the covenant promises. And it's going to be Isaac. Well, I don't know if you know this yet, but Abraham is going to have another wife after Sarah dies, Keturah, and they're going to have six, six more sons, all right? So Abraham has eight sons. Sorry, I had to count. <laughs> six plus one plus one. Ah, advanced maths. So hard for me. Uh, so Abraham has, has uh, eight sons. All of them are going to carry the blessing. Many nations, uh, they're, they're going to they're part of the blessing, but only one is going to cover the, co uh, the, the covenant promises, and, and that's going to be Isaac. So because they're all children of Abraham, they're going to be blessed with, with the general blessing. But God, is, has the covenant promises are going to come through uh, one of them. So, if I lost you, it's time to get back on track. This is God's ideal for your marriage. If you are a Christian, God's ideal is that you are in a covenant with God, and your spouse is in a covenant with God, and you are in a covenant with one another. That is what God wants for you and for, for your marriage. Before I got married, I was in a covenant with God, and before we got married, Kelly, was, my wife, is in, was in a covenant with God, and then when we were both in a covenant with God, then we entered into a covenant together, and so it, it, looks, it looks like this. Uh, we, whether you're married before or after becoming a Christian, this is God's ideal for you. It's, it's also why in 1 Corinthians 7, God's like, don't marry an unbeliever. Because you're in a covenant with God. And so you've got to honor that first covenant that you're in. So don't enter into a covenant with somebody that God's like, no, don't enter into, like only enter into a covenant with somebody that I'm also in a covenant with because this is what God wants. This is, this is what he wants. Um, next picture. So this is the family unit. The purple box means family unit. Oh, man. Picasso. They, wow. Incredible. Incredible illustrative work. Uh, so God's ideal for your family, right? So when you're in a covenant with God, and, and, and they're in a covenant with God, and you're in a covenant with one another, then it's God's, God's goodness, and there's so much that just washes through from God 
because of your connection with God, the blessings and favor rush through you into your children. And this is God's ideal for a Christian godly home, where it's got special favor and blessing and, and attentiveness. In fact, even in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, God says that your kids are holy. Your, your kids are holy because of this connection that the parents have with God. Now suppose, verse, uh, next one, yeah, so suppose only one spouse is a believer. Okay, this happens, some is for, for different reasons or whatever. Paul says that, you know, as long as your spouse is willing to, to live with you, remain in that relationship, even though they're not a believer. And he also talks about in 1 Corinthians 7 that, that, that your children are holy because you are their parent, because you're there in that household. Uh, that there's, a, there's something different if you are in a covenant with God that impacts your children versus if you weren't in a covenant with God. The, the, the holiness uh, impacts your children. Now, I, this is what I think, and I really believe this. But don't get hung up if you, if you don't believe this. But, like, I really uh, believe that for this reason, I believe that any child that dies, uh, that dies, that's part of your, your home and your household, if they have one believing spouse, I believe so confidently that they're going to heaven because of this. Because God has declared these children holy. That, that's what I believe. It's just so passionate that God's called them, them holy. Now, at what point do they need to enter into their own covenant with God? I don't know. We're, I'm not going to make up any answers there. At some point, when they, at least when they leave and when, they, when, they're, when they're grown up. But, but this, that's, that's what I believe um, when it comes to the holiness of God going through and the impact of just being in a covenant with God and how it impacts other people. I guess a, a few weeks ago I said that your marriages uh, and the marriage covenant you might enter someday, if you're not married you might enter someday, is it, it's a big deal to God. And I just want to encourage you to not take it lightly. Your marriage is a bigger deal to God than your finances. Your, your marriage is a bigger deal to God than your jobs. And I hope that your life shows that. That your, your thinking, that your attentiveness, that your awareness, that your alertedness, that your, your, life, that your time shows that, whoa, my values are in sync with God's values. And that means that my marriage is more important than my job. It's just free. Yeah, just encourage you, give, give your best effort to that. You're always, never get, never get lazy there. You, if you've been given the name husband, or if you've been given the name wife, or if you will be given the name husband, or if you will be given the name wife, that is powerful. It's a powerful name. Honor the name as the significant thing that it is. I hope those, those pictures were at least somewhat distracting. Anyways, I want to get back to Abraham now. Uh, just for one last second. So in recap, Abraham's blessings, they're, they're flowing to his, all of his descendants, but Isaac is going to be the son of the covenant. And that means that the promised land is for Isaac, and that means that the line of Jesus is through Isaac. Those are the covenant things, basically, that we're, that we're, that we're going to go to one of them, and just, this, just Isaac, the, the son of the covenant here. Now, I want to show you something I saw in Galatians this week. 
And I was look, it, the context is the law. By the way, if you're reading and you were reading Romans this week um, for your Bible read-through, you're just going to see Abraham's everywhere, is he not? He's also in Galatians. And the context of Abraham in Galatians was that, you know, the, the law comes way after, 430 years after, after God makes these promises. But just look at these two verses in Galatians chapter 3. It says, God gave the promises to Abraham and his child. And notice that the scripture doesn't say to his children as if it meant many descendants. Rather, it says to his child. And that, of course, means Christ. Skipping down to verse 29. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, Abraham's heirs. And God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Meaning, God's promise to Abraham was Christ. And that belongs to you. Jesus belongs to you. We are in a new covenant with God through Jesus. And we've been cherishing that over the last several weeks. And a far better covenant than, than anything that Abraham ever had. We have the forgiveness of sins. And we have an advocate in heaven championing our case. We have the Holy Spirit. We have eternal life. All those good things. But in this new covenant moment, all that, that, that Abraham was promised gets to flow to us because because we have, we belong to Christ and we're Abraham's children. So now we're part of this great family of Abraham and this great family of God. Uh, here's a picture on the screen capturing this. I mean, wow, Brian. I mean, Picasso, whoever you are. So family of God. So you've got the, the purple family thing. So again, think of it like marriage and children. You have, you have Christ. We are in Christ and uh, you're the, the green one, right? there on the that's that's you're there if you belong to Jesus and and all of that covenant between uh, God the unity between God and Christ causes this flow of God's goodness and blessing to flow through Christ to all of us now I think that's a really weak drawing to capture this but Friends, it's worth pondering just how significant it is that we are connected to Christ and Christ is connected to God. And just how much holiness and forgiveness and goodness flows to us who believe. Again, God names you son and daughter. Jesus names you brother. Jesus names you sister. You, 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 are, you are named precious, you are named chosen, and you are named free. Free. I, I just encourage you just to live the joy of the names you've been given by God. Live those names. Serve faithfully and live blamelessly. Here's the challenge for today. Challenge is this brainstorm. It's a brainstorm challenge, which means, yeah, this is easy. <laughs> brainstorm. Brainstorm for yourself all the good and holy names God calls you in the Bible. Just all that you can think of. There's so many more that I mentioned today. All the names. God. And then take some time to praise your heavenly Father. As Revelation 19.6 says, Praise the Lord, for the Lord our God the Almighty reigns. So brainstorm, reflect, cherish, praise. That's the challenge for today. 
Friends, let me pray. Let me pray for us. God Almighty, Father, thank you for your goodness. In the name of Jesus, I bless all the marriages in this room. And I, in the name of Jesus, I bless all the future marriages in this room. In the name of Jesus, I bless all, the, all those who are in a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ. I, I bless, I bless these, these covenants, connections, that, that they would flourish and, and prevail over all the, the, the challenges of life. God, we ask for your goodness and your mercy and your grace and your compassion on each of our circumstances. And God, just bring your goodness and breakthrough in all of our lives. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.